You're listening to The Network's podcast, where we talk all things marketing and digital. Hi, I'm Jodie Parker, and I'm part of the team who runs Network's events. Normally, each episode is a live recording of a past panel discussion, but in these COVID-19 times, we've been doing the events virtually. I still think that the magic of Network's is being in the room, and hopefully we can go back to doing that soon. But in the meantime, if you like what you hear, visit networksevents.com.au. This episode is all about podcasting. Enjoy. Whoa, super excited to be here. This is my first Networks of the Year, and it's quite odd to be doing it digitally, but I'm up for the challenge and welcome aboard. So tonight, um, we're going to talk about podcasting, one of my favorite things. So tonight, what will we cover during our audio renaissance? We will look at how to measure podcast effectiveness, consumer insights, top tips to generate consistent content, shared mistakes and successes. We're going to find some new podcasts, maybe inspire you to start your own how to leverage podcasts into new opportunities and explore the growing demand for audio experiences across most markets. So let's get this show on the road. I would first like to introduce Anita, who's going to introduce herself and talk a bit of what she's been up to while we've all been working from home. Hello. Um, wonderful to meet all of you guys here. This is definitely my first virtual panel, but I'm excited for it. So good evening, everyone. My name is Anita. Uh, that is me, and I am the founder and head strategist over at WordFetty. So I'll give you guys a bit of an intro uh, about myself. So um, let me go into the next slide. Give me one. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Still getting used to this. So, hi, I'm Anita. That is me. Picture over there. I am the founder and head strategist Word Chef over at WordFetty. I am also the founder and host of BrandFetty, the podcast. So, some fun facts about me. I speak four languages. I am the mama of two Shih Tzu puppies, Mochi and Hachi. Um, and I live with my wonderful husband, Dean. Um, and I have <laughs> a random tip I've added in there. I'm also extremely uncoordinated. I can't even ride a bike. So uh, I remember the days when I used to go to <laughs> back in primary school and high school and we would go ice skating, rollerblading, and I would be that person that would be holding onto my dear life for the next hour or two because I'm that uncoordinated. Um, so... Next slide, um, a little bit about my story. So I started, I guess, the journey to where I am today uh, in university. I studied law and psychology, two very expensive pieces of paper. Um, I then became a lawyer. Um, I always thought I was going to be a lawyer slash barrister. Um, my mum was always like, if a little girl doesn't become a lawyer, it would be wasted because she's so good at talking and negotiating. Um, I So I then went off and got a, a corporate job over in the government and I worked in policy, governance and strategy. Um, by the end of 2000 and uh, I think it was 16, eight, uh, around 16, 17, it was that funny period between Christmas and New Year's where we have no idea what day it is. Um, I started WordFetty as a side gig. And it was supposed to just be a sidekick. It was an opportunity for me to explore this creative outlet. Um, and it grew purely through the word of mouth. And I left my corporate job a year later. I didn't tell my mother I quit until a year after that. And 
that is not because I don't. I do. I, I want to lie to my mother. I love her dearly, um, but I also didn't want her to worry about me as well. Those of you who, um, you know, may have waited to tell your parents, I, I feel like some of you may resonate. Um, so ever since then, I um, we have just grown. We are a wonderful team of five who um, I feel like some of you guys may be listening here as well. So hello to my wonderful team. Um, and also um, started Brand Betty podcast uh, last year. And this year my big focus is on the online learning arm. So a little bit more about Word Fetty. Uh, we are a human-centered brand strategy uh, and copywriting studio, and we specialize in helping brands stand out through the power of psychology and words. So we do all things words, all things content. Um, and over the last two and a half, three, three, three and a bit years now, we've had the wonderful pleasure of uh, working with both uh, clients here in Australia as well as those overseas. Uh, some of our clients include um, Australia's largest insurer group, IAG, um, wonderful non-for-profit Australia CEO Challenge based here in Brisbane, um, and a number of media personalities as well as uh, small businesses as well um, that we've had the pleasure of telling their stories on. Um, in terms of BrandFetty, so BrandFetty is our online learning and community arm. Um, BrandFetty is the podcast, so uh, it is a no-fluff, bite-sized weekly uh, podcast dedicated to helping brands stand out to, uh, through the power of psychology and words. So every week um, there are, I guess, value bombs of up to 15, 20 minutes, e-lessons, uh, bite-sized, easy, easy, consumable um, on all things content marketing, words, copywriting, consumer psychology. So ever since I started, uh, a little bit more info in terms of BrandFetty, uh, the podcast. Let me go on to the next slide. So BrandFetty podcast um, format-wise, it is weekly. Uh, it is bite-sized, up to around 15 to 20 minutes per episode. Um, and sometimes I also bring in wonderful uh, humans, wonderful uh, brands who are truly standing out in their industry through the power of content and words um, up for a great chat. And they usually go for around 45 minutes. Uh, three core audiences we have on BrandFetty, the podcast. So we've got business owners. We then also have marketing managers coordinators um, wanting to really leverage the power of words and content for their brand um, as well as side hustlers um, we are up to episode 46 and our top three audiences are Australia uh, USA and UK so some of the biggest reasons as to the why behind brand Fetty, the podcast um, the biggest reason why I wanted to start the podcast was because looking at our data analytics, um, around 50% of our audience uh, is actually in the US, UK and EU. Um, it, it, we also, you know, speaking to our audience, one of the biggest things when it comes to creating um, a podcast and also ensuring whether or not a podcast is for you um, is, of course, understanding whether or not your audience does consume content this way. And our, a lot of our audience uh, do consume content through podcasts. So that was the other reason. Um, it was also another way for us to reach new uh, audiences uh, through audio and it adds a completely different dimension um, to the experience and connection with the brand because it's just something different when you actually get to hear someone's voice um, instead of simply just reading a blog. 
um, as well as it was also a way for me to document the journey. Um, and of course, it was key for us to continue our big mission here at WordFetty, which is to spread the power of words. So since, I guess, launching <laughs> uh, the, the Brand Fetty podcast, which was back in May slash June last year, um, I have learnt um, a, a bit, which I can't wait to share with you guys. Um, but when I launched, uh, we were ranked number two on Apple podcast charts. But then um, I actually received an email through Apple Podcasts after we sent a massive email to everyone in our networks, told everyone and did a launch about it. Um, Apple Podcasts actually took the podcast down uh, within twenty within twenty four hours. So I was driving a lot of traffic to something that was not there. Uh, that was definitely a lesson learned, and that was actually once I did, dug a little uh, a little bit more about it, it was actually because I had too many keywords on the title. So that was a bit of a lesson. Um, I then did a wrap up uh, podcast episode on that, as uh, and that was why you shouldn't let a craptacular situation be the measure of your worth. Um, as a wrap up of my learnings of that experience and relaunch the podcast in a way, uh, which then become actually the most downloaded episode for the podcast and uh, shut us back up. And it was also republished on multiple platforms such as Business Chicks. Um, now, let me go on to the next slide. Lessons learned so far. So I'm sure we'll dive into this um, a lot more once the panel starts as well. But one of the biggest lessons I've learned is uh, batch recording. Um, so I we I also own the we also run the studio on a day to day basis. So to make sure that the studio is also running um, well as well as ensuring our podcast episodes were consistent, the best way for me to ensure everything was consistent was to batch record the episodes. However, in saying that, um, uh, as I mentioned in the third point to there, um, with COVID uh, and everything that has happened in the last couple of weeks, I also decided to completely scrap our content plan for the month of April. Um, and we actually have uh, a completely new content plan just to ensure we're creating content and delivering value and content to our audience, which is tailored uh, for content marketing and words during this time. Uh, the other thing I might add here is is the power of building connection with your audience beyond the podcast. So I'm talking about, you know, when you know a potential audience tags us um, on tags me in like a uh, let's just say an Instagram post. Um, every single one of them, I always leave a voice note with them and just say thank you uh, because each and it, I never really know who's listening to the podcast until someone actually DMs me or tags us in something. So. Um, Building that connection beyond the podcast is also another big lesson um, that I can't wait to share as well. But last but not least, COVID-19 and what we've done. Um, as I mentioned, uh, completely scrapped the content plan for um, uh, I guess the podcast and all, all the different episodes that we had initially planned uh, and we have actually upped our podcast episodes from just one episode a week to two episodes a week. So every Wednesday and every Friday. And these are actually now dedicated to really supporting, upskilling um, and adding a sprinkle of positivity into everyone's ears um, in a way. Um, and uh, hopefully inspiring everyone who listens to grow 
forward uh, with everything that's happening uh, with with content about you know why your words matter even the email communications to the text messages that you send to your friends like uh, like looking at not using words like chaotic uh, or you know stressful and pot potentially exploring words that are more positive you know trying times or you know grow through instead of going through um, uh, five habits to stay positive during COVID and marketing during times of unease um, but yeah that's 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 a bit of an intro about me um, thank you so much for having me here and I'm so excited Thanks, Anita. That was great. So now I'm going to pass it on to Jacob to talk about his podcast and what he's been up to. Awesome and greetings. And similar to how Elizabeth said, it is a little bit surreal. I'm sitting in the home office basically talking to myself, although if that isn't a metaphor for podcasting, I don't know what is. So as uh, the slide, and, and I'll aim to keep it brief because I know I'm holding us back from questions and from drinks uh, afterwards, uh, I've been a business advisor since 2006, working remotely since 2010, a deep generalist in a business space. So I work primarily with business owners who have between 10 and 100 staff. I'm helping them with sales. I'm helping them with profit. I'm helping them with valuation, culture, strategy, those kind of things. Right now, because of the pandemic, because of the recession, there's kind of three categories of businesses out there. There's the ones who are asking, will I survive? There's the ones who are asking, well, now that I'm confident I will survive, how do I actually learn from this experience? And then there are some businesses out there that are still thriving, either because they're counter-cyclical or like Zoom, they got lucky and had a good product in the right place at the right time. Uh, they are doing really, really well and they need a different type of support. So I'm working with businesses in all three of those categories and a lot of hands-on, one-on-one the opportunity that I saw this year was for how do I take that experience and, and spread it a little more widely. So if you go back far enough in, in my career, I trained as a journalist, I hosted my own TV program, uh, wrote a few books, I'm an avid content creator. Uh, and as you can probably see, if you're tuning in live and not listening, uh, I have a face for radio, which probably means that it's uh, also a good face for podcasting. Uh, although I'm still primarily a writer and a video creator, this year, I really saw the, the opportunity for podcasts. Uh, the first podcast that I hosted, having been a guest on, on dozens of them, uh, the first opportunity I really got to learn how to host a podcast was Come Again, which I co-host with my good friend, Kurt Sanders. And that's a podcast designed specifically for blokes going through the IVF experience, which is something that the, the two of us have in common. And we felt it was an important conversation that could be done in a fun and funny way and, and really be quite real and truthful and, and share our experiences. So that's been ridiculously well received. And then more recently, last month, I launched Don't Waste a Good Recession, which was designed to be a, a, a point of entry for my broader business strategy conversations with a lot of businesses. Uh, and that's uh, at the very least a weekly update video that we also run as a podcast. And I'll, I'll share a little bit more as we go through, I'm sure. Uh, it's not just a podcast. Uh, however, podcasting is an important part of that mix as I look to spread some positive and practical messages for business owners uh, of a much broader scale than the ones I might be working with one-on-one. -on -one. And I see that as being a big reason why podcasting is part of my business arsenal. Back to you, Elizabeth. 
Thanks, Jacob. That was really informative and gave us a little overview of all the different things you're up to. So our last panelist, who I'm proud to introduce, is James, who's going to talk about his whole family of podcasts. Hello. Thank you very much, Elizabeth, and similar sentiments to the other panelists uh, tonight. I am uh, enjoying, in fact, uh, just being able to come to you from home. Uh, I, I had to leave Melbourne to come up to Brisbane, and now I am in my hometown uh, coming to you now. My journey started studying uh, as well, similar to Anita, uh, but I was studying finance and macroeconomics, and I did work experience while I was at uni in various different uh, fields uh, in that across that uh, educational journey from from Apple to uh, so retail through to uh, financial services, professional services. Uh, I ultimately first came in contact with podcasting as a guest when I started my first company in 2013, which anyone who's been listening for that long, I applaud you uh, to podcasts. But that was my first introduction. I'm like, what is a, what is a podcast? Um, but sure, I'll be a guest on your show. Uh, so that's how my sort of journey started. Ambi was the business there. It was a rewards app for bars. So uh, a hospitality loyalty business. From there, that business failed and I, we, we, it was privately funded, uh, small, un, under 100K uh, funding anyway. And after that, I went down to Melbourne for a little holiday and went to 84 different venues in three and a half weeks and came back with some incredible ideas, just all written in a notebook. And one of these ideas just said podcast and I didn't know what that was going to be yet. Sat on it. I went to a tech conference called Myriad. Uh, Myriad in Brisbane and very much enjoyed that and that day just all sort of clicked for me and ultimately I founded something that combined all of the things that I was interested in together my skills and experience finance tech hospitality and started a program called the Hospopreneurs podcast uh, that show is all about creativity and innovation across the hospitality supply chain. So through that time, originally working with Ambi, uh, I was learning about bars, restaurants, cafes, working in these sorts of venues and just absorbing. And this was a way for me to obviously network in the industry, meet new people, uh, learn new things, and then share that with people as I grew as well. Uh, that was in 2017 that I started that show. So it's been a, a little while now. Things have really been uh, evolved since. So I was a, a, a finalist in the Australian Podcast Awards in 2018, the next year. And then uh, we, we've, uh, we've been top 100 Apple business podcasts uh, in Singapore and uh, in not in Australia, uh, in another country overseas. I can pull that up a little bit later. But uh, you hear all sorts of uh, interesting metrics coming from reputable and not so reputable sources on the internet. So um, if anyone is interested in that one, I can pull out later. But one thing that was really exciting was starting, accidentally starting a music festival in 2017, a small group of people that I invited together to talk about philosophy, business, science. We just hang out every Thursday night. And after two years of doing that, we just had this idea. We're going to start a party and have this little picnic. In fact, small gathering of about 15 to 20 people in the park and we just made a public Facebook event. The short story there is that it exploded online, went viral, reached 240,000 people, and I reversed engineered the interest to make this, uh, this event happen. Uh, meanwhile, I was still running the Hospopreneurs podcast. So 
ultimately what that led me to in 2019 was I moved down to Melbourne and opened uh, a venue called Bar Margot, which is a very highly uh, regarded venue in the industry. Uh, after managing venues, I started using this program to leverage my own career in hospitality and using my degree, it got me into this other position. So from there, Hospopreneurs, I saw that there was another opportunity in evolving Hospopreneurs into a network of programs related to similar things, which leads me on to my, my next slide here uh, around the H Media mission. So I do get very abstract at times, but I try to ground it as well. So Jim Sesh, which is another name for all the names that I've thrown out there. Jim Sesh is J-I-M-S-E-S-H, which is the Instagram handle that I've used, is just what I called my parent company. And that holds two main businesses, H Media, which is why I'm here today, and the other businesses in the music industry. So together, we, we build audio brands. We help people who express themselves, individuals and brands who express themselves through sound. So H Media's mission is to elevate universal consciousness through programmatic audio dialogue. Jim Sesh is more broad than that. It's just to elevate universal consciousness. And so we try to ground that as we go. Uh, and I, I want to pay careful attention to universal consciousness because they can mean all sorts of very abstract things to many different individuals. So when I say elevate universal consciousness, by universal, I mean the system that we operate within so our system of, of operation, so being the world, the universe, the community, however you want to identify that, and consciousness is understanding itself. So fundamentally, this ties together into increasing the level and quality of communication. So on to my next slide here. Uh, you don't have to read this. This is just explaining how that works. So we've worked with a lot of different uh, programs, either in-house or with other brands. And uh, on, uh, I've said there that 200 plus uh, podcast episodes have been what we've produced over the last three, nearly four, three, three and a half years. Uh, but fundamentally, our philosophy is about increasing the level and quality of communication. So that's learning, growing, exploring, helping people express ideas. It's about having an idea, being able to articulate that idea, converse and then ideate again you ruminate on that idea so it creates this cycle of high quality communication the better we can express our ideas and listen and understand each other the better that we can increase this this uh, ultimately efficiency and welfare across the board i believe both can increase with an increase in quality and level of communication so i'll just quickly take touch on the next slide there i've just got uh 21 programs just a couple of numbers here 21 programs have been advised or managed by us uh, and on, this is on last count, uh, and 36 countries are listening to our shows at the moment. I'll just switch over to the next slide. Um, these are some of our programs at the moment. Some of them are out, some of them are behind the scenes. We've actually got some other ones as well. Um, but the top three there are the ones that uh, we I, I would draw attention to. They've been running longer than the others. Still pretty fresh. We only officially became a network this year. So in February, uh, which was our best month, all of our downloads doubled in February. So from Hospopreneurs to then launching Trash Talk and Delicious Debates, uh, which I'll, I'll touch on in a sec, um, it just everything just skyrocketed. Um, so Hospopreneurs has been my main focus, but once I stepped back and was able to concentrate on helping other people build their brands through the things that I'd learned from my own, then I was able to do a lot more for other people too. 
So I've mentioned hospopreneurs. I've got an overview on, on the next slide, but don't go to that one quite yet. Um, Trash Talk is a program about sustainability and waste management. If you're, if you're interested in that show and Delicious Debates is a show discussing the consumer, controversial consumer food topics with uh, Jake Olver and Jasmine Hunkin. And I know Jake is listening to this right now. So uh, shout out to Jake, who's also my editor and uh, we all love the work that he does. So thank you very much, Jake. Uh, the other shows there you can check out another time. It's it's on the H Media website, which is h a y c h dot media. Anyway, if you want to see the the sorts of things we we've got on there, but uh, I've got another slide there with a program overview. But uh, I'll pass back to Elizabeth. So thanks for everyone joining us today. Thanks, James. That was quite comprehensive. Sorry we had to cut you a bit short there, but I think people are anxious to get into the questions and the discussion. So let's jump right in. I think the first thing we all want to know is what's it like recording from home? And especially if you relied on having guests in the studio, how have you accommodated that in your podcast? Um, I, I can go first. So for me, it's actually been okay. So we do a lot of um, the podcast recordings online anyway, even sometimes with guests. So I think there was only one or two guests that we recorded episodes with that was in person. Uh, predominantly, a lot of our episodes are recorded in a wonderful world of online and a lot of different programs like Zencaster and Zoom and all of that, that gives us the ability and potentially some of the other panellists can also add to some of the lists there because I'm still, still learning in that arena. Uh, but yes, the Zencaster and Zoom are the two programs I've been using and they've been, um, yeah, they've been great. Yeah, uh, if, if I may elaborate on that one, uh, totally this, the same sort of uh, similar sort of position. We did a lot of episodes in person, um, but it wasn't our main focus. And I definitely feel for anyone who is in podcasting, who was doing things exclusively in a studio, because they may not even know the sorts of tools that, or may not, maybe they do now because they have had to scramble to find it, but wouldn't have known those tools that they require to build those sorts of things. Um, Zencaster, we're now using uh, as of quite recently. Uh, thanks, Jake, again. Uh, also, um, but before that, we used to use Ecamm Call Recorder, which I think is awesome. Um, it's 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 a paid tool. Zencaster is great. It's free and it's better. You should definitely use that. Um, but I'm sure Jacob's got some ideas as well. Well, I was going to say I've been fortunate that as a guest, most of the podcasts I've ever been on have been done remotely, so it hasn't really impacted that many. Um, in terms of our podcast, Don't Waste a Good Recession is, is largely me at this point, so that hasn't been affected at all. Come Again, though, was very much an experience of the two of us hosts sitting down, having a beer and sharing some horror stories, uh, and that was designed... Uh, as a bit of a standalone, we were getting towards the end of having recorded our own journeys. And so the next two episodes we had in plan did have some other guests joining us in the studio. And so we've actually consciously made the decision to put those episodes on hold, hoping that we will be able to, to get them done soon. So I think it's definitely having a, a buried impact. Uh, and, yeah, I agree with James. Some of my friends who have exclusively in-person podcasts have certainly been uh, the ones who've had to, to scramble the, the fastest. Excellent. Well, it sounds like everyone's dynamically kind of switched their tactic depending on how they recorded. I'll bring it in a bit into the nitty gritty of recording podcasts now and turn to James. James, can you explain the role of producer and how you've set up your team to produce so much content? 
Sure. Um, so initially I was doing my own thing and I'm sure a lot of podcasters will be sitting in the same sort of position. I produced the first 11 episodes of, of my own show. So this is in 2017, ages ago now, I produced the first 11 episodes and uh, everyone who I've brought on has actually been through some sort of hospitality experience, which is fun, funny that it's all themed as well. Uh, my first producer was my waiter in a restaurant, my first editor, sorry. Uh, you have to make a delineation between producer and editor, very important difference, because technically I am the producer uh, for other people, but the editor is not me. So Jake does that. Also, again, that's three, love you, Jakes. So thanks, mate. Um, <laughs> so I ultimately met my first editor. Uh, he was my waiter in a restaurant, and then I brought him on. I said, mate, he couldn't get a job as a, as a working in radio, and I'm like, have I got a job for you? So I brought him on and everything just accelerated from there. Really, really, the show just sounded infinitely better. Um, so that was worth the, the outlay. Uh, after about 50 episodes together, I brought Jake on. So Angus left and Jake came in. And, uh, it's, and then again, it just stepped up again. Um, yeah, incredibly. I, uh, bringing on someone else to produce a show who knows what they're doing is... And I mean, that's the business that I've gone into now as well. So um, it's something that I definitely would double down on. Um, I used to use originally to give you an idea and to, I won't go into the, the technicals of the equipment, but unless people are interested, maybe we can discuss that at another time. Feel free to ask me, uh, message me on Instagram. But um, I used to just use my laptop microphone. This is how horrid my original setup was. I used to use my laptop set it in front of the guests and just press space bar and it was quick time. Uh, and we've, oh, that, that makes me cringe now. Uh, that was the first 11 episodes. And then from there, I got a blue Yeti. This is my second blue Yeti people, some podcasters and a lot of editors will cringe at a Yeti, but this is actually quite a good microphone, uh, for what, what you need to do. You don't need to pay a lot for a microphone. Um, uh, but we use some other equipment as well. Like a zoom H six is my, field recording microphone. Um, now it's totally different setup. And then we use digital software as well. Like we mentioned Zencast the day before, Ecamm Core Recorder, Skype, FaceTime. There's yeah, all sorts of ways to do that. I won't go into the, uh, the yeah, uh, yeah, I won't, I won't go on about that. So I, I think I've answered your question there, Elizabeth. <laughs> I think you had to give us a bonus yeah. question. You're like, I'll just tell you my setup now. I want to give people that value. Uh, yeah, I want to give, yeah, just like, big, big, yeah, just like drop, drop those truth bombs. <laughs> you know, Jacob, do you, do you um, thoughts or comments on the setups you've done? Are you recording in your armoires or what are you guys yeah, up to? Yeah, look, um, I, I agree. Oh, sorry. <laughs> um, I was just going to say, I agree with you, James, and the, like, uh, I'll be completely honest. My mic costs, uh, I think it was $150. I'll, I'll be completely honest. I the entire process. I've also uh, a, a wonderful um, one of our team uh, actually members actually learnt herself how to produce the podcast herself through Adobe, and she she has wonderfully helped me um, produce each episode. But yeah, my 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 mic is one hundred and fifty dollars. I record on GarageBand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Uh, and look, I like to tell people <laughs> podcasting is easy. Doing podcasting well is quite difficult. Uh, you know, you can create my TV show that I hosted, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago was two guys and a camera and some basic software. It was awful, 
but it was a television show. And, and there's plenty of podcasts out there that are done very, very cheaply and some of them sound like it. And, and I don't think it's about the equipment. People who get caught up in, you know, do I need the $400 mic or the $400, you know, um, pop filter and all of these kind of things are probably asking themselves the wrong question. Uh, and there's a lot that comes from experience. Your 10th episode will be so much better than your first. You can't do the 10th episode until you've done the first. So get in there, learn, listen, listen to heaps of podcasts. And that's one of the failings in my you know, podcasts and why particularly, you know, the, the one that I've got behind me is, uh, you know, early stages but a bit crap from a podcasting perspective because I don't listen to a lot of podcasts. So I don't have some of the skills and the expertise to go, okay, they're doing that. That's how I take it to the next level and the next level and the next level. And that's what I think a lot of people have to realise they're starting a podcast is that it, it's a long-term commitment to the making. Yeah, it seems to be that it's very reiterative, like you get better and better over time. I think a big part of that is creating engaging and creative content. Um, so Anita, tell us about your process, about how you keep on top of your workload and how you keep up with fresh new ideas. Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I, so my brain works like a every day on a day-to-day -day basis, it works like a content finder machine. Like I can find content wherever I go and I feel like I've got, I've probably got three, three tips to share here. So first of all, I find stories and I use stories as a way to then intertwine that into uh, content. So for example, this is just the first thought that came into my head, but if I was trying to if I was on a roller coaster at a theme park, true, this this is actually a true story. I am terrified of vertical drops. Um, but if I was on a uh, like a roller coaster and I was terrified, and I would use that story and build it into something else that I find potentially you know terrifying when it comes to business or content marketing. I see our audience potentially. Um, worried about as well and I draw I guess I look at every day as stories to then bring in and seeing how that could be intertwined into what we're delivering content marketing wise and if you listen you'll probably notice that I do do a bit of that and then secondly another tip I've got is to listen and observe what your audience and what your clients and what those who follow you are constantly saying and constantly asking for. Um, the content ideas are right there you just have to listen you just have to observe um, and I think if you love your audience as much as you love, you know, your service offering, you've got the product, um, you're also able to step into their shoes and really almost anticipate the types of questions that they're going to have. Um, in terms of how I, get, I, I collate all of the content ideas, I have a massive Google Doc and I literally just brain dump and brain download. Um, I don't know about the other panellists, but I just brain download if I go through something or if this is something that I feel like would uh, be interesting, I'll brain download and it could just be a few sentences to begin with. Um, and then I'll, uh, I guess, elaborate on that once I'm actually recording uh, in my spare room <laughs> with my $150 mic. <laughs> but that's my process, yeah. Do you Oh, uh, sorry, go ahead. I wasn't sure. Sorry, I thought I was like, are you passing to me? Now? I, I guess I can elaborate on that one. Firstly, I want to make a point that that $150 mic is, is not, is, it's not cheap. It's not expensive. It's like, it's good. You can get a good mic at that good level. This Yeti is very similar. Um, I have a similar, I want to elaborate on that as well. Similarly, so I brain dump into uh, like a, a Google Doc. Um, now the first 100 episodes, so we've done Hospitalpreneurs is now recording episode 100. I did 106 today. 
Um, so it's, yeah, like there's a lot in that document. So now I've gone episodes one, one to 100 and then now everything one, 101 to 200 is now the next document. So, uh, and I've also, I had a system for filing it in that document that is now much more refined because uh, it is cluttered. It's, it's, it's terrible. So now I know exactly where everything is. So um, similarly, so I dump ideas in there, um, but it's evolved a lot since. Uh, we don't have to chase guests for the show, hospitalpreneurs at all anymore. It's, it's all inbound from PR companies. That really turned, turned around um, probably two years into building that. We were really outbound for a long time in terms of content there, really outbound to, to try to get those guests on. And then it switched and PR, we started getting on some PR mailing lists. And then now, now, it's, now I just divert those, those uh, pitches to our various shows for whatever, if they fit with something, it might fit for another show better than Hospitalpreneurs, even if they reached out for that one originally. Uh, you might have some similar sort of ideas around content there, uh, Jacob. Yeah, and I think it does It does vary. Uh, as people probably pick up, you know, my program is very much built around being direct and bringing some of my expertise rather than some of the guests in the conversational style podcast. Uh, last year I finished up a video series, Blackboard Fridays. We did 134 episodes on YouTube and that was very much responsive. That was the conversations I was having with smaller, medium-sized business owners in the market uh, and some of the key strategic frameworks and tools that I was using. Uh, so we were, as Anita was saying, we were batch recording those. We've got a great system going. But don't waste a good recession. It's very timely. So we're including up-to-date statistics on you know, coronavirus cases, where the stock markets are at, some of these things every week. Uh, and similarly, the actual business expertise is what is really timely right now? What, what does a business owner need to do next week as part of this crisis? Uh, and so that means that from a content perspective, it's it's not as structured, which is frustrating for me. I'm quite a structured person, but to, to have to sit down every week and, and prepare a 40 to 60 minute long presentation with the visuals as well as you know making it relevant for podcast listeners, uh, there's an awful lot of work that goes into those that is timely, is, is very much built on a lot of expertise and research um, that has not yet been as systemized as, as I would encourage other people to do if they can. You've just well, I think, done. Jacob, you've... Sorry, James. Sorry, James, I didn't mean to interrupt there, Elizabeth. I uh, just had something to, to that sort of Jacob's answer there sort of triggered me with something. Each of our shows have very different ways of operating depending on the hosts as well, the hosts and the sort of content that you're producing. And I got two nods there from Anita and Jacob in that. So um, it, depending on how you want to produce your show, you need to flesh it out quite differently. And even as things start to roll, you might find that you need to do, actually plan your content differently. So, for example, um, trash talk is very similar to hospitalpreneurs in the way that it's it's a, you know it's looking for various guests each week, um, but then delicious debates. Jake and Jasmine plan out their topics well in advance, and they'll just do them together. There's the two co-hosts. There's no other guests on the show. It's quite different. We've got a coronavirus program uh, called Quarantini, which is uh, as you can hear, the theme is all across you know food, drink, etc. Uh, Quarantini. Now that's the same, just that's what made your answer there, Jacob, maybe think of because ours is exactly the same as that. It's, it's, it's more journalistic, it's more to the minute, um, pumping that information out as quickly as possible um, to share it with the industry. So also the quality of the content doesn't have to be as high if your audience is expecting it to be faster as well. 
So uh, that's a, another point to um, let listeners know uh, if you're watching this now. If people, people are absorbing your information and they know you're doing it as quickly as possible, then they'll be willing to uh, have that sacrifice if it's, if it's fast. And you will stand out if you can be succinct, direct, even with the timely material. I think that's one of the challenges when we're podcasting, whether with a guest or not, we can be sitting there, uh, you know, talking to ourselves or having a, a great chinwag, gas bag kind of conversation. And it can feel like it's great and interesting uh, and it can really waffle on. And that's one of the risks I think a lot of podcasters take. And one of the reasons why people don't get to the end, they don't subscribe, they don't tune in again, is because... They let the ease of creating the content in the medium drag on into overbloated episodes. It sounds like everyone's a fan of the short and sharp format versus the three-hour like Seth Rogen debacles, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, so going back to you, Jacob, um, I know you have a history with YouTube as well. So what do you consider when you are going to launch um, Don't Waste a Good Recession? Uh, what made you decide a podcast over a YouTube series again? Yeah, and, and for me, you know, the, the answer was really and. It wasn't an either-or. I think Anita made a really good point in her introduction around go where your audience is. You know, if I'm your target market and I'm Gen X, very grey hair, uh, you know, you're not going to get me on a podcast, you're not going to get me on a YouTube video, I'm still reading most of the content that I'm getting. So if I'm your target market, you've got to go, okay, well, how do I get in front of Jacob? Uh, certainly I'm aware that um, my target market a lot of business owners love podcasts. Uh, some of the challenge that I have is that a lot of my style is very visual. A lot of presentation slides, these kind of things. Here is some evidence of that because I, uh, I I sent through some notes around, uh, you know, how to, to look at the comparison. Um, so this this is my experience. I took episode five of Don't Waste a Good Recession because that was actually called When Will the Coronavirus Recession End? It's, it's going to be uh, fairly. Uh, you know, popular topic that will build a bit over time. Uh, and you can kind of see we use Captivate uh, to distribute the podcast onto Spotify, Apple, etc. Uh, and in terms of listens we've had from a podcast perspective, first the visual views we've had on video uh, across YouTube and some of the social media networks. You know, all of these numbers, just like, you know, actual coronavirus case numbers are all completely, you know, not completely made up and BS, but an awful lot of BS. Uh, you can kind of see there that the video is getting up to 10 times the engagement of just the podcast. However, uh, and, and the, the chap Edward in the US, he was actually the 200th member of the Facebook group a few weeks after we launched. Uh, and I got on there. He was one of the people I'd never met. I said, you know, where, how did you find us? Why did you join the group? And he said, oh, I listened to you on Spotify. So if I hadn't done the podcast, if I'd gone, look, I'm not great at podcasts, I'm still learning uh, it still doesn't have a lot of the, particularly the intro stuff that you need to do a good podcast. I'll just ignore it. I would never have met Edward and he would never have found my message. So increasingly, if you can, doing everything, shoot, uh, you know, even if it's just an iPhone of you recording, the, the, the audio of podcast is your primary medium. You know, you can, can do that and then you've got something to put on YouTube. Remember, YouTube is still much bigger than Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of those. Uh, if you've got the budget sites like rev.com that can do subtitles for two Australian dollars a minute. You can then edit those into long form content. Uh, you can start hitting all of those buttons. You can get the podcast listeners, you can get the video viewers, you can get the old man readers like myself. Uh, 
if you can't do all of those because of time, because of budget, you have to start, then podcasting is probably the easiest. Again, doing it well, it takes time, takes practice. But I think of those mediums, it's much easier to do a podcast, it's much easier to edit a podcast than a video. And most people find themselves talking a lot more than writing. And so doing a podcast, sharing your expertise, talking to a guest is much easier in that form than trying to write something. So it sounds like you're definitely a fan of the multi-channel approach. So I'm going to pass it over to Anita, who's going to talk about her strategy and what channels have worked well for her, because I think you have some interesting mm. points as well. Yes, I think I've got a slide for this one. Um, if I could get that baby up. Um, but, well, yes, yes, well, we get it up, yes. Okay, so um, one of the biggest things that I've learned when it comes to podcasting is something to potentially some of you guys listening and tuning in uh, would find useful and helpful is the, the, the journey and process of podcast recording um, I personally see to be 20%, the big uh, big element of what makes a great podcast is what you then do, 80% uh, of it, like afterwards. Um, recording, producing, it's up, yay, but what will you do with that, con uh, like what will you do with that content afterwards? So, for example, I am a big uh, believer in the power of repurposing content. So, with us at WordFetty and with how I produce the content for our brand, um, initially we treat the Instagram, a lot of our customers, uh, a lot of our audience are on there, but now I actually treat Brand Fetty, the podcast, as a hero platform, and I've just shared with you a little bit of an infographic there. Um, so what we do is we have one hero, so at the moment we're producing two uh, episodes, but usually it is one, but one episode a week is then repurposed onto a blog, it is repurposed onto an idiom, it's repurposed into uh, almost four to five Instagram captions and Facebook and LinkedIn. Of course, there's slight editing and elements, but one podcast episode is repurposed into all these different streams of content because, again, not all of your audiences, and think of your audience too as, I guess, not every single human is going to consume content the same way. Some will prefer to read a blog. Some will prefer to get an EDM, bite size, just one paragraph, but some will want to listen to the podcast. So making sure you make the most out of the content that you're creating there um, is another key, yeah, another key tip uh, that I've got. But um, yeah. Well, it sounds like there's different ways of repurposing the content, but I think what I, well, my next question is about, I guess, is measuring that success and measuring how successful an episode has been. So we're going to pass over to James to talk a bit about metrics and what tools he recommends. Sure. Thanks, Elizabeth. So uh, I've got one slide on, on this one here. Uh, I'd summarize it into, into three. There's three things that I distilled this into. And the first is the looking at the hosting platform data. Um, and that's, so that's looking at downloads and, and listeners. And there is, a, there is a, a difference between listening to it online and downloading it because they might not, or, or listening and downloading. So they might they might download it and not listen to it, which is also an important um, distinction to, to make. But on those platforms, uh, whatever platform you're using, it'll have some sort of demographic data. You can normally pay to, to access that data. Um, we use Libsyn, that's our hosting platform, uh, and that distributes. So actually, I, I might um, sort of widen that to explain how that works. So there's a, you, you put your podcast onto a hosting platform that hosting platform sits behind everything else 
and that spits it out to all of the directories like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. Those hosting platforms can be, you might have heard of things like Libsyn, I mentioned there before, Omni, Wooshka, uh, Anchor, there's all sorts of um, platforms that, that do that. So looking at that data is one of the first things that we use and how specific episodes perform there. The next, and I'm going to summarize all this in the brand awareness section. Please don't divert your eyes to that one yet though. So digital environment is the second one, which is looking at, and I think from the sounds of things, uh, Anita, uh, you said there that Instagram was their first platform and they were started performing really well as a, as a podcast. So um, moving from Instagram, Facebook, other social media platforms, but looking at that sort of data and even and YouTube and, and other channels, looking at that, the sorts of figures that you receive on those channels can be really valuable, especially since there's more data on those platforms than uh, are typically through podcast hosts. So you can get a lot more demographic information and you can market more effectively through those platforms at the moment. But the CPL, like the cost per listen, you might've heard of cost per click or CPM or those sorts of other uh, acronyms, CPL or cost per listen is much, much higher on social media platforms as well. So keep that in mind. If you are advertising, you do need a higher budget to just hit those people faster. Um, you can still hit them, but it takes a lot longer. And so link tracking is the next point I have there under digital environment. So using uh, Podkite, Wave, Linktree, there are uh, websites you can use. Thanks for bringing that back. Um, there are websites you can use that uh, basically squash, you might've heard of Bitly. Uh, I, I didn't put that on there, but uh, in essence, for those who haven't heard of these, you can put a link through a, another platform and it just makes it squash down into a nice little nice little thing to summarize it so that when you market that somewhere online, people just click that and it takes you to another place. So you get sort of stats around who's clicked through and, and whatnot, where they're going, where they're listening as well. The last one here, uh, for the sake of time as well, I'm trying not to get carried away with my answer. Uh, brand awareness is the last point I have here. So that's a bit more physical. Obviously it's a, I think of it as physical. It doesn't necessarily have to be tangible or in person. I've got emails, phone calls, industry events. Ultimately the objective is, and this is why none of the platforms or channels specifically really matter. I'm going to make that point because ultimately your objective is to build a brand. So all of these channels, platforms, whatever it is, they're just various marketing appendages to then like sprawl out across the internet and get into people's minds, right? Ultimately, it's do they know who you are? Do they know your brand? So that's how we sort of test these things. When I send someone an email or you pitch a company, hey, you know, because we still reach out. I mentioned PR companies pitch us guests, but we reach out to always be climbing up, you know, bigger and better guests. You've got to be keeping climbing that ladder. So when I send an email out, do they know who we are? If I email a company they might be familiar with who you are. Oh, just heard your episode, just came out with, you know, so-and-so, uh, you know, and like, oh, great, cool. So they know who we are. So that's one way that I get that feedback about who is actually listening. Do we have brand awareness in the market? So that's a, that's a way I use um, those sorts of things. But there's so many, so many roads we could go down to talk about measuring success, um, but that's how I've summarized it. Cool. Well, I think um, that brings me to kind of a random question. Panelists will be shocked. Um, are you getting rich quick and how? Oh, yeah. You should see the gold-plated <laughs> Ferrari that's sitting right behind me. Uh, uh, 
And I, and I think it's a useful, yeah. it's a useful yeah. question. You know, podcasting <laughs> is, a, is an increasingly popular medium. And the reason we call podcasting a medium is because it's neither rare nor well done. And there's a lot of noise out there. Uh, you've really got to ask yourself if money is the object because you have a business and this is part of it or because podcast is your primary product, you've oh, really oh. got to get clear on what is the purpose. Uh, you know, is it about lead generation? Is it about nurturing existing relationships? Is it about building a, a following for your podcast so you can sell sponsorship, sell products off the back of it? Is it a, a cross-sell or an upsell kind of opportunity, referral opportunity? Because if you're not clear on where does this podcast fit into my business model and then also my marketing strategy, then you are going to waste a lot of time. And unfortunately, you're not even going to be able to afford the rims on my sweet ride. <laughs> I was just going to add to that. I'm so with you there, Jacob. Um, podcasting, as I'm fe uh, I feel like all the panelists here would agree with me, it's, it, it, does, it takes a lot of time to, of course, recording sounds easy. Uh, you get a mic and you record it, uh, but the production, then the marketing of it, um, it, it, it is a big journey. It's a commitment and you need to be consistent. Um, in fact, I think there's been statistics to show a lot of podcast episodes kind of dwindle away after a, I don't know, 10 or 15 episodes. Mm -hmm. um, but, yeah, I, I love also what you mentioned there, Jacob, as to understanding where you, the podcast fits in your, I guess, marketing ecosystem. Um, you know, if your audience do not consume content through podcasting, then podcasting may not necessarily be an, uh, an avenue. And for us at WordFetty, um, Podcasting, as I mentioned a bit earlier on during my intro, it's a connection uh, element for us. It's for us to share, uh, I guess, our insights, value, um, and it's a chance for us to share with the world. This is what we think about a particular topic. This is some value, e-lessons for your ears in terms of content marketing, easy, quick, 15 minutes, that's all you need. And, um, you know, sometimes you don't measure the success of that. Uh, until maybe, you know, a year later. Like sometimes we get, you know, an email inquiry that comes in that goes, I've been listening to your podcast for the last year. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, agree with what you've mentioned there, Jacob. What about, what about you, James? Yeah, um, so, uh, you know what I love more than, more than cars? Knowledge. It's like, yeah. So, I mean, Ty Lopez is obviously those, like the, the marketing gurus of the world have their, have their place. Um, but it's not certainly not a get rich quick thing. Uh, and especially when I, I don't, uh, recall when, I mean, when, when each of you started your, your journey specifically, which like what year it was in podcasting or when you first, uh, you know, approached the, the, the field, but ultimately more recently, it's, it's only been a recent evolution that you can really start to sustain yourself from producing podcast content alone. Um, it's starting to be respected more as a platform that you could just design podcasts and just host a podcast. If you're creating that content, you can now start to get paid for that. Uh, thanks to the likes of those larger platforms, like I mentioned before, Wooshka, Omni, um, that Acast, like businesses that um, you, they, they, in, they in, uh, insert dynamic ads uh, as opposed to what I call native ads uh, there will be specific media terms and none of us are from the media. Oh no, you had a background Jacob in media, but like I didn't have a background in media. So there are lots of uh, terms that we've just made up. I've made up along the way. And so I just call it native versus dynamic ads. Uh, and so dynamic ads, those platforms 
insert those ads automatically. If you're getting a certain uh, listenership, you're allowed to insert those ads. Um, but they're not as effective as native ads, which is where, that's what I call it, where the host reads the ad. It's an ad read or they promote a, a product or something on the show. Um, and so there are these new ways that brands are now connecting with podcasts to be able to advertise in different ways. Uh, and it's starting to become a platform where there's enough people consuming it alone that you can start to uh, make a living out of it. Obviously, there are some people who've been doing it for longer, like, uh, you know, your Tim Ferriss's and, and Joe Rogan's out there. Um, but, you know, for, for the, the layman uh, who wants to start a podcast now, you definitely can. There's still opportunity and there will be for a long time to come. It's rapidly growing industry and as more and more people uh, divert their, their, their I, say, we, I say earballs, like their, their eyes and ears to this industry, then there's more and more uh, inflow of, of investment uh, and, and marketing spends. So people allocate some of their marketing budget to it. And with a reduction in radio consumption, radio has moved to podcasting that started happening a little while ago, but it's really started to fly in now. Um, and you've seen acquisitions in the space too. Um, so there's, there's a lot going on and huge podcast departments appearing in, in those um, traditional radio um, stations. So yeah, it's not a, not get rich quick. Oh, I'm very disappointed now. I just won't be a billionaire. Um, so with that, note, just a quick reminder. <laughs> yeah. Um, quick reminder that we have questions starting any minute now. So please click the link down there and get them in so we can ask our expert panel. I think we've covered a lot of ground, so I'm sure there'll be some really tough questions coming our way. Um, so before we go to the questions from the audience, just a quick wrap up. Where do you see podcasting heading next year, especially once we're all out of quarantine? What does the future look like? I'll start off with you, Anita. As in like, what, what, what will anything, do I feel like anything to do with podcasting will change after COVID? Yeah, but you think it will change or do you think there'll be some bigger oh, brands in space um, will be less independent? Yeah, look, it can't be anything, really. Yeah, that's such a that's a really good question. I a hundred percent there is go there is going to be a massive catapult in um in in podcasting. I feel like it is just a it, it's opened so many doors for businesses to still remain connected with their audience. It's an opportunity for um you know businesses that may have to shut at the moment to you know provide a, a value still um you know awareness um you know so many businesses at the moment. Um, and it, it, it is sad uh, that they can't operate at the moment, but it's never been more important for them to still remain visible. Um, it, it's so important, and we tell our clients this too, where some of them can't, you know, sometimes even ship their products. Like, it's so important to still, you know, consistently create content. And I think um, with podcasting, I think there is this traditional idea that, that podcasting is one uh, difficult, hard to, I think where the biggest roadblock for a lot of us is the production of it. But when, for, for me, that was my biggest roadblock. I was like, oh my gosh, like, like I don't even, I, I can record it, but I don't know what next. But it's actually so simple, more than happy to share, you know, what, what, what we do and all, all of that. If anyone wants to DM or message me as well, um, it's, it, we, we've now literally just got a workflow uh, that's been set up. Um, and, yeah, it, it, I really enjoy it. It's, it's a really great, um, yeah, it's a great outlet for me to 
document the journey. It's a great ally for me to connect with the audience as well. So I 100% think there will be yeah, a rapid growth in this space, uh, similar to what James mentioned as well. Like so many um, media companies are also diving into the podcast mm. arena um, and there's just more <laughs> evils, as you <laughs> mentioned, listening in right now. Um, yeah, so definitely. I saw a good study, uh, not massively scientific, it wasn't a whole heap of research, but a guy called Dan Shaw, who's a producer at um, WGBH in Boston, uh, which is kind of like a, an NPR channel, and he put out, you know, how is podcast listening going with everybody in, in lockdown? About a third of the people mm. were listening about the same. The plurality, so almost 40% of people were actually listening less, which accords with, you know, every time I've shared with people that I've listened to a lot of podcasts, uh, they sort of go, oh, but when you're in the car, when you're, you know, doing other things, and the reality is a lot of us aren't commuting, we're not doing those other things, we're not at the gym by law at, at the moment. And and so currently there's there's a bit less uh, listening, you know, that, that survey. I think it's a bit like a gold rush, and we can learn in the podcasting industry, both from a marketing channel and if podcasting is your product, we can really learn from what other industries have done. If you think about the gold rush, we're a couple of years into it, those first prospectors who had the lay of the land uh, are already there. There's some like the, the Josh, uh, uh, Josh Rogan, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, yeah. I, I, I get blazed every time I hang out with him. I can never remember his name. Um, you know, who have, have struck it rich and a lot of other people copying. The reality is what we're going to see is that the, the people selling picks and shovels are going to make a lot of money. People servicing podcasters are going to make a lot of money as that growth continues. The people who professionalise it, and that's possibly some people coming out of existing media who have those skills and expertise, mm -hmm. who can do this really well, they're going to enormously benefit. You think about something like Gimlet Media, they've got like seven people teams producing each podcast. And that mm -hmm. means that the days of one person sitting in his studio, making some phone calls, doing things, they're not gone. There's always going to be opportunity in every sector for somebody to come through with great product, great innovation, great message, great brand. It's just going to be harder. And unless you're prepared to commit to the long term, uh, you do run the risk of, as Anita shared, 10, 15 episodes in, you're kind of running out of your own energy and nothing else is coming in. You're, you're getting crickets. You're not getting any advertising money and you start wondering whether it was actually worth it. If you're not sure this is what you want to do, your energy may be better spent somewhere else. Ooh, and, tough uh, words. <laughs> to, uh, we'll pass that to James. Yeah, thank you. Thank Who's you, Elizabeth. Um, to elaborate on you there, uh, Jacob, I guess um, that's, and, and Anita too, I mean, that's what, that's, every, like anyone listening knows that that's what we do. So we produce podcasts for other brands and it's some of the value in joining a network as well is that we can advertise other shows across our existing programs. It's easier to start up at the other listenerships. Obviously, if it's related in some way, it can join our distribution network so we can advertise if it's food, drink related to the hospitality supply chain. But we do have, uh, we do have work that is outside of that. So we can just produce if that's what, what people want as well. Um, to answer the original question there, uh, Elizabeth, about what's going to happen post coronavirus, and also to elaborate on the first uh, point that you made there, Anita, is that podcasting is really, the acceleration of podcasting is really happening. And, and we've just cracked a million podcasts internationally. So that is wild. That is, that is, that's a whole, uh, a whole other thing, right? And as uh, Jacob, you said, gold rush is the, you know, the term that really resonated with me when you were speaking there. Um, people are coming in, they're learning how to podcast now. People are going to be 
sitting there watching this, listening, listening, you know, if you're listening at home, you might be obviously you're interested in podcasting, should definitely go out, give it a crack. Um, there will be people out there who are going to give it a go and they're going to realize how hard it is to make a good show. As Jacob described earlier, it's hard to I make think a half, good half of half of all podcasts get less than 200 listens uh, across yeah. an episode. Yeah. Yeah. So that was it's, interview uh, connections did that research. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a very challenging space to, to do well. Uh, it's easy to, it's like, you know, think about it like, like YouTube, like it's easy to make a video, but it's hard to make a great video. Um, same with podcasting and uh, people are going to start to learn that in this space. The thing is that right now people, because everyone's been impacted so heavily, there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of capital that's been pulled out of some some industries podcasting generally is still growing uh, and Jacob you brought up a point there that listenership has dropped the figures that we were seeing initially were that listenership dropped about 20 percent um, but that's generally that's a, that's across the board but some areas of the industry have seen more listeners some less it's um it's really it's really different depending on what you're doing and the sort of content you're creating and, and your listenership um, but we've cracked a million podcasts. The point I was making there, we've cracked a million podcasts. People are coming in. There are some types of businesses that are withdrawing their capital expenditure. And so they're not wanting to spend advertising on a podcast. They're not wanting to allocate their marketing budget to podcasting right now. So there's a lot of content. We're going to have a period with massive amounts of content influx into the market um, with no one funding that content. So there's going to be no, like less, it's still growing, but less than it could have been, right? And then people are going to, it's going to recalibrate. So, and that's just, well, there's an economist coming in thinking about that. But Jacob's Yeah, well, my, my, my joke was always Casper Mattresses in the US was just a, a, a shell company for venture capitalists to fund podcasts. You know, every time you listen to a podcast, you seem to get an ad for Casper <laughs> Mattresses. They had an IPO. It's a conspiracy. Stank. The, the business model completely stank. Uh, you know, how many, um, which is nothing to do with the podcast, it's just a terrible business model for what they were trying to pretend it was. Uh, and certainly in a recession, which, as you can probably tell, I think we're in, um, there's going to be less free cash floating around. Uh, that's a good point, James. Cool. Well, I'm being shouted at online that we have to add to some questions, but I love that this has been a very dense conversation, so it's good value. Um, one of the we had a couple of questions from the audience asking about your top tips. Let's try and keep brief of what they should do if they're thinking about launching it. So they've recorded maybe five, ten, they're ready to go. What are your top tips to make a splash and to have an impact? And this is inspired by Nita's earlier comments. If I, I'll jump in and, and kind of go with do do what do what I say, not what I do. People come to my episodes for my expertise, not for the quality of the actual production. I think the the big thing is if you're going to do a podcast. Ask yourself, which other podcasts is this going to be like? Uh, in, in style and tone, as much as audience and content, uh, listen to those, listen to the same episodes over again and go, what can I learn from this one that I enjoy that I can then copy and replicate? And you won't get it right the first time, but at least you've got a direction you're moving in. Anyone else? Um, what would you do if you're relaunching? Yeah, I, I would probably say... Um, 
Three things. Okay. So first, uh, going back to what you would have mentioned a bit earlier, Jacob, but really asking yourself the why of why you're doing the podcast. Um, as you know, James mentioned as well, um, it's, you know, so many people are jumping onto the podcast uh, bandwagon and potentially you're listening to this and you're excited um, about the launch of podcast, but understand where that sits, like I mentioned a bit earlier on in your marketing ecosystem, uh, recording, producing, uploading, um, in a way, in my eyes, is easy, uh, it is the easy bit, uh, that the hard bit is then what you're going to do with that and, the, and, and how you're going to really uh, leverage that. I think that is the first uh, the second big tip here is um, expanding on what I mentioned a bit earlier on, but you know, making sure that uh, you're also building a connection with. I'm, I'm really big on community and connection and human to human connections. So how are you by adding that dimension to um, the content that you produce? How are you, you know? you don't really know who's really listening to your podcast until, like I mentioned, someone DMs you or someone emails you. So how are you somehow building that connection with your audience through this medium of podcasting when you don't actually know who, like, so how, how will you build that relationship and nurture that and connect with them and potentially, this sounds weird, but drive them off the podcasting platform to whether or not email you, call you, visit you, buy from you if you're an e-commerce store. Um, sign up to your database. You give, give, yeah. Sign up to your database. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. So, um, yeah, like how, how are you driving them off the podcast as well? And I think final tip uh, from me is I think just to um, wrap up in the sense that it, it does take a bit of time, but I get so happy and so so much fulfillment. And I feel like potentially the, the panellists will also add to this as well, but I get so much fulfillment and just happiness I jump up and down when I just get one DM from someone that says oh my gosh thank you so much mm. for covering that uh, you know covering that like you I've been listening to you for you know x amount of months and I got so much out of that and I I probably wouldn't have known that they've listened for the last six months but to get that DM to get that email to get that whatever communication from them that just absolutely makes my day like and I just legit jump up and down and that's what gets me so damn excited um yeah, about this whole entire podcasting world. Yeah. My my sentiments yeah. exactly on, on both of your answers. Oh. Sorry, I had a bit of a glitch <laughs> there. That's okay. Um, so I think what we'll do now, uh, I think we, we've oh. gone a bit over, so I think we're going to go straight to, sorry, uh, Jacob? It, okay, that's okay. I, no, sorry, I must be cutting out. I would love to elaborate on that really quickly if I can. Go for it, James. You're, you're going to wrap Sweet. it up before we go to final Thank tips. You. Thank you, 100%. On that, that was my point on the brand awareness. Uh, this is, I think, is a crucial point. Is and it's it used to be in our original, uh, the the my our great our first great intro for the show is that it's not about the numbers; it's about who the numbers really are, and that's ultimately who is who is listening to your show. You don't know who's listening. You might have 50, 100, 200, 1,000, 10,000 listeners, but they could be just somebody or they, you know, they could be just anybody or they could be somebody really important. And so until they reach out to you, then you don't know, you don't know who they are. And then also uh, you might have a small following on Instagram, but they could be crucial to who's actually listening to your show or who's promoting your show. So you really don't know across the other platforms that you have who is listening. So uh, when you look at other podcasts as well, if you're out there, maybe you're an advertiser or interested in advertising your brand, 
um, really get to know who even the audience is of other podcasts because they might have a small following, but they have a very passionate demographic. So that might be something to consider as well. It might be about the quality or the quantity of the listener and whether or not they're doing anything for you. 100%. All right, so we're going to go to our top tips. If people want to learn more about our panelists today, we'll start with Anita. And I believe she has a slide. Boom, got Aha, a slide. I have something I prepared earlier. Um, so this is, a, I guess, a bit of a quote that I, I personally use to sum up, I guess, why I'm in the podcasting uh, world, um, and I kind of touched on it briefly, the success isn't how much money you make, but how, how much of a difference you make in people's lives. Um, and yeah, that, that is the key reason as to why I started the podcast is to spread the power of words. And uh, I live for those moments when people listen to the podcast and they're like, wow, like you helped me in this, like got so much inspiration from that. And I personally measure the success of the podcast through, you know, just being able to help people. So um, would love to be connected with any of you who are listening. Um, I also don't know who exactly is in this virtual room. So um, the podcast, Brand Fetty, um, would love to hear from you on Instagram, which is Word Fetty and Brand Fetty. Um, you can like me on LinkedIn, Anita Seek, and our website is wordfettygroup.com. Cool. Let's go to Jacob. I think my number one tip uh, that I also stuck on a slide is to remember that a podcast is for life, not just for the recession or not just for lockdown or ISO or because you're bored. If you want to do it, if you want to do it well, uh, it's got to be something that you really want to be doing ongoing. And unless it you know, is quite a, a specific standalone thing, uh, most people who create a podcast see themselves doing this for years. Do you really have what it takes? Uh, and if not, so much noise going on in the world right now maybe the best thing to do is, uh, you know, listen to somebody else uh, or find something that you are actually more passionate about. That's pretty harsh. I can be pretty direct. But I think a, a lot of people eh, kind of need that right now. Um, and look, I'm open to any criticism as well. I've certainly got a lot of content. If you Google me, you'll have a lot of fun digging back. If you manage to find Doctor Who and the Monopoly pub crawl of doom, or pardon me, have you seen my TARDIS, which was a radio play, which is what we used to call podcasts before we had podcasts. Uh, if you manage to find that, then you've gone far enough on Google and you should go to bed. If you want to listen to some of the more recent things, yeah, absolutely. Don't waste a good recession. If you're in business, come again. If you want to have a laugh or if you're going through IVF. Uh, and I, too, am always up for a, a good conversation around how you're going through the, the crazy world that we live in right now. Excellent. And now we go back to James. Thank you. Uh, my, I've put this key takeaway. It looks like my little uh, picture in the bottom right is a little bit too small there. Uh, it's for those, it's for anyone who wants to understand how I got to this point. Uh, ask better questions, get better answers is too, it's too simple really to define um, what I'm actually trying to say here. So there's a mathematical proof in the corner um, that proves that it, it's, it's, yeah, it's that like, uh, ultimately, it says podcast equals life. Um, it's that you can distill uh, the ultimately by asking better questions, your content is better. Um, you you are able to get more out of life if you're able to ask more effective, efficient questions. And being a podcaster allowed me to really increase my ability to to ask those sorts of questions to other people. Um, I was always philosophically minded, but that's what really allowed me to do and it's really helped me to um, to to make this this point and understand this point and make it salient that when you ask better questions you'll get better answers. 
to give my little plug at the end there, Jim uh, Sesh is my Instagram handle, uh, J-I-M-S-E-S-H. Uh, otherwise, you can follow us uh, for, for you. Follow me on Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, I am quite active on LinkedIn as well. Uh, so please do reach out there. And H Media, A-Y-C-H Media is the podcast network if you'd like us to help you. Excellent. Well, I think that pretty much wraps things up for us today. Thanks to our panelists. It was definitely useful. I learned something and I've been doing this for quite some time. So I hope the audience enjoyed it as well. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter. We'll be back again soon.